0: At this very moment, I say we sit tight and assess. Sit tight and assess. Let's get some other people on this, some Ivy Leaguers, and you and I will review the NASA plans, okay?
1: I greatly appreciate that.
0: Am I to understand correctly that after all of the information you've received today, the decision you're making is to sit tight and assess? I'm sorry. Who is she? Who the fuck are you? Aren't you her son? I'm the fucking chief of staff boy with the dragon tattoo, so I'm doing fine. We gotta get out of here. This place is a friction. Hello, listening people. Hello. Hello, Bartek. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm doing. How are you, Ryan? Oh, and I am
0: well. Thank you so much for asking. I fell down a well and I refused to get out.
1: And you are the well?
0: And I am the well. Aren't we all? Aren't we all the thing we're in?
1: Yeah, we have interesting answers. I had a very distinctive adjective and you have a very distinctive noun.
0: Thank you so much. (laughs) We are Spit and Polish and we are presenting to you our show, Pictures Pow Wow. We're the only podcast in the entire world that both happen to be spitting and polish at the same time. That's where the name comes from. And after all of these years... We're still such distinguished gentlemen with saliva in our mouths, and we- are <laughs> we expel
1: it sometimes, yeah.
0: Oh, we we, we, we we put it out on the sidewalk when somebody we don't like walks past, we just poo on them. And then they walk past and they look in the ground like, oh, someone spat. Someone is spitting, someone is Polish, and I don't know which someone, one is
1: which. Some to- somewhere someone is spitting. But
0: we are doing our show, Pictures Power, where we talk about a movie that has come recommended. And the recommendation cycle goes, Bartek recommends a film. In fact... He will be recommending the next movie we do. Well, pre- oh, yeah! Pressure's on. The pressure is on. I recommend after that, and then you, the listening people. That's right. If you recommend a movie to us, we put it on a on a list, and then eventually we get around hmm. to it.
1: And I'm deducing from the information you mm-hmm. gave me that this cycle repeats. And so, if I'm doing it next, then the thing before must be the end of a cycle. And at the end of the cycle, I believe you said it was a. Listening people's choice.
0: Yes, Bartek, I gave you. I gave you all the clues. <laughs> yeah, and since you are on a roll with information, could you please tell us the movie that got picked and the person who recommended it?
1: Sure. So the film that got picked was the 2021 film Don't Look Up, and the person who recommended it was a friend of mine. How?
0: Hey, thank you so much for the recommendation. What was the thing that spurred this on?
1: I remember it was some point last year, because this is a guy that I knew from where I went to work, mm-hmm. uh, and we would catch the bus after school, uh, him, myself, and uh, another friend, Joseph, who recommended for us The Fifth Element, mm. um, and we were having a discussion about movies, and we were also having a discussion about um I can't remember if it was about movies or if it was about, like, real life, you know, people making decisions and things like that. And he was bringing up how, oh, yeah, there's this movie that I watched called, uh, and he had to look it up because he knew the Chinese title. Oh, um okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, that happened a lot with us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember even, I brought up, I brought up Kung Fu Hustle to him shortly after I watched it with you, and he didn't know until he looked up, like, oh, this is a classic, yeah. It is classic. Um Yeah, and he brought up that there was this one film that he watched, and it was this film, Don't Look Up, where it was about a bunch of people in power who are not taking uh, a very serious thing serious, and it leads to, you know, disaster. Yeah. And then he casually mentioned at the end, like, yeah, you know, maybe you should do it on the podcast. And, you know, our rule, like, that's good enough to put on the list.
0: (laughs) We put it on the list. Don't Look Up is a film that is a Netflix original directed by Adam McKay, and it stars practically every big celebrity a lot of big and names. a few surprising ones as well tyler perry is here and just like in gone girl he's excellent he in this is, movie yeah. <laughs> i i i will crack open the tyler perry can of worms a little later We've I done saw it before on the podcast and we're gonna do it again <laughs> because i have such an affinity towards tyler perry not in his own products i, I saw his name such in the a strange piece i
1: saw his name in the credits and i literally said like oh good yeah. It'll be
0: good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you saw Kate blanchett and you were like, oh, whatever. <laughs> but Don't Look Up is, in summary, what Bartek just went through. This is a cataclysmic event, an apocalyptic event is hitting us. A comet from outer space is heading towards Earth, and these group of scientists are trying to spread the word and get action to happen, but A myriad of people are just putting roadblocks after roadblock after roadblock. From the president, to a corporate tycoon, to the media themselves, to uh, even people's families and partners. It's not just the higher-ups, it's also the common folk. It is a story about how we like to stick our head in the sand and refuse to listen to what is happening. The title... Don't look up, has many different meanings, and it plays around with those. But if you have not seen the movie, we recommend you give it a watch for yourself. It is easily available, and who knows, it may be up your alley, it may not be, because my history with this, just to go straight into it, is I knew about this movie. I saw its advertisements, and everyone was having an opinion on it. You had a
1: reaction when I put it on the list, I remember.
0: I sighed, because... Of two reasons. One, Adam McKay is the director of this, and when I said at the la in the, at the end of last episode, I said Judd Apatow. What I meant by that was that style of comedy where you get. All of these actors, you have a pretty good framework for a movie, but you just let them riff and you let them improv a million takes and you mm-hmm. stitch together the best ones. Yeah, I get that now. Yes. And so Adam McKay, he is not Judd Apatow, but I associate him with that wheelhouse, even though he did direct stuff like the Austin Powers movies, which are a different era of Comedy Beast, but he still has gone on. But the thing about Adam Adam McKay is he's become, I guess, what I would like to call, I don't know if there's an official title, but the modern American satire uh, voice. Mm -hmm. So you have stuff like, say, Rick and Morty is an example of more modern American satirical comedies that you can see. And this ties into my second uh, thing that made me sigh, which is there's the audience who heralds these things as not just funny, but really clever and really intelligent and really smart. And if you mm-hmm. disagree with them, that you will never hear the end of it. And the thing that I find so interesting is, uh, as somebody who has enjoyed Rick and Morty and somebody who has enjoyed some previous Adam McKay movies... On the very bare bones surface level, the thing that can easily repel people is it has such an overt amount of either gross out or really blatantly stupid style comedy that is on top of whatever the satirical stuff is that many people that our fans of these get an enjoyment out of. And so I look at a mo- modern American satirical comedy in that vein of, like, say South Park is a great example of this, where South Park, if you're not into South Park, you look at it and just go, it's this rude, crude, abrasive, stupid thing. It like, was
1: me before I got into South Park in, like, the early 2010s. <laughs> and then you got
0: into South Park and Trey and Matt's stuff, and if you're a fan of it, you can dig deeper than that. But if you're not... It's very hard to. And so those were the things that I had history with. The director and this film has a very polarizing uh, uh, audience. People at the time were arguing so aggressively, like the characters in the movie. But it was heralded as this brilliant, satirical, genius piece of comedy that you are too stupid to get. Or people on the extreme opposite side who said this is an arrogant, stupid, long waste of time. It's bad, it has no merits, all of that, and so knowing my own personal taste in comedies and American films, comedy movies, I had a suspicion that I would hate this, and the mixture of the nearly two and a half hour long running time made me not want to watch it. When it was added to the list, I did not react positively because I had a suspicion that I would hate this movie, but here we are talking about it what has been your overall relationship history do you remember when this came
1: out uh no I actually don't think I'd heard of it um I, I'd probably heard it in passing when you know Oscar Buzz was happening but you know it was one of the ones that I hadn't heard anything specific about so I just kind of dismissed it um so when my friend was telling me that like oh yeah it's a recent film it's got DiCaprio in it like that alone was like oh okay so it's got probably... Decent-ish film, at least.
0: Yeah, and I think this was after he took a little bit of a break. He he hadn't done a, I think he hadn't done a movie in a couple of years. I think he did, like, The Revenant and a bunch of stuff and then... Had well,
1: a- Revenant was definitely, like, just before we started podcasting, and he definitely did do Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a few years ago. That so. was
0: around the same time as this.
1: Yeah, so probably just before this.
0: Yeah, but keep going.
1: Yeah. Um, even before looking anything up after finishing watching the film, like, I... I, I'll just put, say this right now. I'm not 100% in love with this film or anything like that. But when looking at some of the th- things to criticize about it, I thought to myself, ah, I, I wonder if these criticisms are like a trap. Hmm. Because I could easily see people responding to, like, yeah, but don't you see? That's, that's what they're satirizing. The feelings that you have right now are what they're satirizing, that kind of thing. And then, yeah, when looking it up and seeing uh, a lot of the positive comments, I remember one of the. F- few places I looked up was uh, there was a Mark Komodo review oh yes um and he and the other guy on that show liked it and a lot of the people in the comments were like singing the film's praises about how it was you know super clever um all sorts of things like that and yeah I I'm somewhere in the middle on this one I definitely it was a long film and I felt that but I wasn't hating it throughout but there were constant 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 thoughts coming in my head of like oh, uh, this isn't working, I was like, oh, this is a good idea, but it's mm. just not being executed right. It's it's very, very middling for me.
0: <laughs> yes. So just to go to the Leo thing, after The Revenant, he took a nearly five-year-long break, came back for uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, took a nearly three-year gap between that and this
1: movie. Whoa, I so, was accidentally right. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. I, I kind of forgot to factor in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because that movie is so in the ether it's mm. it's hard to grasp but and that was like before the pandemic time this movie came out don't look up during the pandemic and it's a film that say what you will about it as you just went over you have some issues and middling complaints there's never a better time for this one to have come out with the psyche that it's trying to capture mm. in itself it was such a wow wow moment for this to just spring upon us all because
1: accidentally doubly relevant
0: it was very relevant <laughs> and i walked in with my head held low the the running time was really the thing that i was just tutting and i am not afraid to admit when i'm wrong on things there have been many movies over the years when i have said all oh, the running time oh, and then i come in and We just did, uh, what was that movie? Every Which Way But Loose, which was nearly two hours long. And Mm. I said explicitly, like, oh, God. But that movie overall, it was maybe five, ten minutes too long. But I still enjoyed it nonetheless. Now, don't look up. I had similar feelings to you. I'll, I'll just be real honest with everyone. I'm surprised I didn't hate it. I actually liked it more than I hated it. If we did a numbered rating system on our podcast, this would be like a 6.5 mm. out of 10. But I was actually quite enamored by a lot of the characters. I was compelled dramatically at some points during this. The The big complaint is I never laughed once.
1: Mm.
0: Not once. Not one joke. Quote-unquote joke made me laugh. Now, I found things humorous, uh very much so there was many there were many moments where I could stroke my chin and see the hilarity of the insanity of it all but i I never laughed, and I'm not a hard person to get a laugh out of when it comes to movies i i I ridiculed Jod Apperau movies, but every time I watch one of his movies, there'll be at least one laugh in there like I enjoy Ricky Bobby, like everybody else. I, I'm not a I'm not a coward to admit that that movie makes me laugh at times, like Talladega Nights. And well, that's an Adam McKay film, right? That's an Adam McKay movie, yeah. right? But I keep associating it with like Will Ferrell, <laughs> Judd Apatow, all that era. Um, I'm not afraid to admit that Walk Hard: The Dewey Cox Story is one of the best movies ever made, comedy-wise. So I was really bummed at that. That primarily because this has an amazing cast. People have proven themselves to be very funny, but I was left pretty stone faced when it came to the out and out laughter factor of it. But no, I didn't, I, I, much to my dismay in a way, I didn't hate it. I'm more frustrated by it because it has problems in direction and structure and I can't wait to talk over those things. But for, for yourself, walk us through a little bit more of what it was like for you watching this.
1: I think I agree with you pretty much. Uh, th- there were many things in the film where I could see the humour, the intention there, and I was just thinking about like other ways that it could have been delivered better. Like We have a lot of characters who are very much... Blunt is a big word that mm-hmm. gets used about this film. Very much blunt about their characterization. Like, we have a president character who everything about them is, you know, incompetent or obnoxious. Vain. Vain, and they wear their intentions on their sleeves. Um, their son is played by Jonah Hill, who, when I saw he was cast, I'm like, oh yeah, he usually plays like you know, goofy-ish characters who, like, kind of break the tension with their words. I wonder what he'll do here. And Or then it,
0: angry characters. Or angry
1: characters, and then that's exactly what he did in this film. So it's like, oh, I'm, I'm getting from Jonah Hill what I usually get from Jonah Hill. Mm. Um, and it, it's, it, it's a satirical film that, you know, compared to stuff like Talladega Nights or uh, Step Brothers, you know, those films... Uh very much living in a comedic world. The mm. characters are very silly there, so when something bizarre happens, you buy into it because, you know, that's the film. This is a Will Ferrell comedy here. Yes. This is how it goes. Whereas in this film, uh, going back to that word middling, it's it's like trying to do the comedy of those but trying to keep up the veneer of being, like, the real world. Yeah, And a lot of the conflict comes in from that. And I can... You know, just saying that, I can really easily see that working really well for some people, but for me, yeah, it it just was a back and forth of like, oh, it's not quite working, but I see what you're doing.
0: I am in the same camp as you when it is in regards to that. Adam McKay recently has had, I guess, this is his third, maybe fourth film in this more uh highbrow. I'm I'm going forwards, type deal. He had The Big Short. He had Vice, and now he has this, and this is the first one out of those that isn't using the framework of a of a of a real event or true story. Hmm. Uh, for instance, The Big Short is about uh, you know the financial crisis and the recession and all of that, and uh, back in the was it late two thousands, and he has this moment of oh, we have to give the audience exposition of how to explain all of the financial stuff to him. So literally, let's have a camera pan over to Margot Robbie in a bubble bath explaining it to you because that's funny. I think I've heard of that. Yes, and it works in that movie because it's taking a very boring premise to us laymans and making it very exaggerated for that snarky, snappy effect. While in this... I found it very uh, frustrating, frustrating, frustrating that so many characters, but not all of them, to your point, are played like absolute lunatic cartoon characters i found there was disproportion. there was like a disparity of the amount of the comedic world where you're in stepbrothers land or anchorman anchorman's a great example of a movie mm, yes. where it can get away with having a good message about like the the world of the was it 1970s and misogyny and news but it's also a film where all of the news anchors meet up in an alleyway and they beat each other up with chains and everyone and people getting stabbed and you cut to the scene afterwards of them just drinking a beer and saying well that escalated quickly and it just moves on because it has a very deliberate world and style here you spend like pretty much the first 15 minutes with slight comedic stuff but it's being played fairly seriously jennifer lawrence is when it really comes into being silly silly land because you get this moment where she's like all right i'm gonna do drugs and you and i as a viewer i actually sat back in my seat going okay where did that come from okay i guess this is going to be a thing for her character and they stopped making it a thing less than halfway through the movie that she just is like i'm gonna smoke pot or i'm gonna take your xanax oh
1: yeah there was that xanax thing
0: yeah but literally when she heard like from leonardo dicaprio What was going to go on she's just like all right i'm gonna get high and it was like this big comedic beat and i just it really landed flat for me because i was looking at her going okay this isn't the character type i was presented with Mm. well this better carry on through the movie and it didn't really and maybe if this movie was an hour shorter it would work better but since this is a movie longer than 2001 a space odyssey (laughs) It's, when things like that don't run through the movie, it feels like dead ends.
1: The definitely one thing that I was reading up about is uh, the the weirdness of our two main characters, where a lot of people were really praising the Leonardo DiCaprio character because he was very consistent throughout the film yeah. and also appeared a lot more. Yeah, I, I enjoyed him a lot. Definitely, same here. Um, and I think one of the big things that I did have was, yeah, that the the Jennifer Lawrence character. Um, I feel like what they were going for at the beginning was what they should have stuck with a bit more, where it was they were very much, like, the serious characters or the ones who, you know, weren't in comedy land. Like, mm-hmm. they're the, the out-of-place ones. And there were all these little moments where, uh, specifically, like, you know, the, the film begins and it's just the science characters in their lab. They find the comet, they have a discussion, and you're being put into this world They're like, okay, this is the world of... Uh, science right here, mm. then they go to the White House and we have a few little gags where it's like, well,, oh, they're not being taken seriously, um then you get like the throw up and the opening credits, and it like kind of introduces you like oh okay this this is going to be a bit more of a wacky thing, and then you know they get blown off by the White House, they have to come back the next day, and it slowly starts to you know rise in ridiculousness. You meet the president character in Jonah Hill, okay, this is pretty ridiculous, and then they have to find outside means of. Uh, getting the word out there and eventually I remember there was a point where i think it was they just gotten the gig on the the tv show
0: with tyler perry and kate blanchett with tyler, rip or whatever yeah
1: And I remember there was this one line that was said to Leonardo DiCaprio, it's like, oh yeah, we need to get this guy media training. Yes, I was expecting to see the media training. Yeah, expecting to see the media training, or I had the thread in my head of like, oh, is this where the film is going, where the entire film would be like another- Deviation from the path, like, oh, you need to get media training. Oh, and then at the media training, you need to get something else, and you're getting further and further away from getting the message out there. And I thought, like, oh, that could be a really interesting idea. Um, But then, yeah, you have interesting little, uh, you know, a graph, you know, going up and down of like, oh, they are getting their message out there. Oh, they're not getting it out there, and all the ridiculousness that comes with that. Mm. And yeah, there is this dual thought that you're having of like, okay, the message isn't working, you're becoming memes where you're the, mm. the crazy we're all gonna die lady and you're the hot scientist guy. <laughs> and it it is funny that, you know, that happens to them instead of getting their message out there. But there was also like the real life thing of like, well, there will there would be in reality some people that do take it seriously. Other
0: countries would take it seriously. Other countries would take it seriously. Which the movie refuses to acknowledge (laughs) until the end, and they treat it like they've earned that, where it's like, oh, by the way, all of the other nations tried and they failed. It's like,
1: Yeah, it was really weird. It was like, oh, and uh, because the other nations are, you know, not agreeing with America, they're being cut out of the deal. I'm like, oh, they had a deal?
0: (laughs) This is uh, really... Okay, so... I keep coming back to one of my problems being structure and just how you stack the deck here. Because, yes, I didn't laugh out loud, but I'm not going to discredit the comedic sensibilities of this movie. Just because it didn't make me laugh doesn't mean I'm going to roll my eyes and say this is bad. In fact, I never found any of the actual jokes offensively terrible or like, why is this here? Not at all. It was just not for me. But I just wish that they had a bit more of a regimentation when it came to how they did this satire. One of my favorite one of my favorite satirical stories of all time is Catch 22. And that's a story that perfectly does all of these things, where our lead character and some of his friends are sane, normal-minded people trying to escape this horrible situation, World War II, but the, the higher-ups and everyone around them are utterly insane, and they use these roundabout ways of logic, your Cats-22 logic. It's so iconic of a story that the phrase catch 22 exists because of the type of humour that story is trying to instill upon its viewer that bureaucracy and people's vanity and insanity gets in the way of you know normal things that people would want to do one of my absolute favorite side stories in that in Catch 22 is the doctor character who's a good person but he's a coward refuses to fly his plane, so he gets someone else to do it. But then that person dies. So legally and paperwork-wise, the doctor is dead, but he's physically there. And because it's too much of a, a hassle to work around, they never fix it. So the doctor is just walking around for the rest of the story. And he—they've been—he's been ordered to not talk to people, and people have been ordered to ignore him. So for the rest of the story, the doctor's just on the beach getting drunk because no one acknowledges – he's like he's a ghost (laughs) walking around. And that's because the higher-ups are insane. But our normal guy, he walks up to this person, and he's like, hey, what's going on? I wish there was a little bit more of that where – the insanity that is the world around these characters would impact some of them and make them go insane as well, or join in the stuff. Leo's character is the closest that gets to that. Really, he gets tempted by the flirtation of uh, of Kate uh, Blanchett's character and being the hot scientist.
1: Yeah, after he after they both become memes, like he kind of rises while she falls.
0: Yeah, that's it. And uh, I just. Thought that the film not only just being too long, but I I, I want to get your opinion on this, there were just some characters here that that just served nothing. Or they came in too late, or they used them so minorly that just for efficiency's sake, I, I just would say get rid of them and bolster up this character over here. Did you have that at all?
1: I guess uh, Jennifer Lawrence's boyfriend character Which one? <laughs> The, the one that she starts the story out with, who's like the journalist, where they have this back and forth going on. It's like, what's going on here? You know, I can't tell you. Okay, this is what's happening. Oh, I'll help you with this. And it's all to serve for a off-screen kind of betrayal or like an yeah. online betrayal. And then they're just, you know, that you see them again like once or twice later in the film- yeah, and that's it. And it's like, oh well, that dynamic is out the window.
0: Completely useless character. I, I he added nothing to this. The only gag that was almost effective when it came to him was when Jennifer Lawrence explained what was going on, and a woman,
1: yeah, 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 <laughs> stopped
0: and asked questions. Wait, are was, you serious? That was a good. That was a good gag. Where whenever they were talking out loud next to a group of people, people would hear it and want to know. That's Mm. something that never happens in these movies. That was a good joke. It goes
1: back to what I was saying before. Like, surely there would be some people that would take it seriously. And yeah, that character's an example. And later on at the bar when it causes a riot, it's like, well, these characters exist.
0: Another person that I thought was completely perfunctory was her second boyfriend played by Timothy Chalamet. He was perfunctory in the fact that they introduce him so late in the movie and they try to get this whole... Uh, ring my heart out when he does the prayer and that in itself in isolation worked but the rest of the movie didn't earn that i actually wished he was in the movie way more because i don't know timothy Charlemagne's acting career all that well i know like He's one of the big names right now. He's a hot name. He's a handsome guy. He's a young guy. Everyone he's the loves call him. me by your name guy? He's call me by your name. He's in June. He's uh, he's in Ladybird. Bird. Like, he's been in a bunch of things. I've seen him, but I've never got it. In this movie, I'm not saying I got it, but he has, cr- he has screen presence, and I thought they wasted that screen presence. I-, I actually wanted to know more about his character. He had this brilliant little exchange where... He was asking, "Do you want to make out?" And Jennifer Lawrence is at this point so nihilistic about the world, nothing matters. And I can't remember the exact exchange, it was but like, "Yeah, whatever." Yeah, whatever. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? And he took a affront to that. He 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 still has feelings, and he and he said as much. And then she rephrased it, and he was instantly happy with it. That was a moment where it helped Jennifer Lawrence's character become. Less of a cynic.
1: he was introduced after her lowest point to bring her out of the lowest point.
0: and they had a quick shot of him way earlier in the movie to be like, "Ah, huh, he's here, see we we set him up I don't even you know. don't even remember because you wouldn't have known. I saw Timothy Charlemagne, and I said, "Oh, I'll look out for him because that's another thing. This is a movie about the cast. Who's in it? Like all of these big names. And when you see the opening credits and they're showing off all of these names, some of them you know, and you internally go, Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see them. Or, or, or I'll look out for them. And he was one of them where it's like, Oh, eyes of you don't know Timothy Charlemagne really well, but I'll keep an eye out for him. And another person that I thought was head scratchingly bizarre for one where they should have had him more mm-hmm. is. Uh, Bash, the, uh, oh, the, the the tycoon. Yeah. He the, appears at the beginning, and then he's gone for like an hour, he, and then he comes back when again. He was, like, and they treated like, oh, he's back, you guys, you love him. And I'm like, I, I don't know him.
1: When he was introduced, it felt like a, a non sequitur, where it's like, oh, this is something that's happening in this universe. Here's this big, you know, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk esque CEO guy doing a presentation where. You know, you're cl- you clearly see how full of shit he is, and then gone. It's like he wasn't even tied into the plot at that point. It was just, this guy exists. He should have been in the movie way more. Uh, when, he, when he comes back, is it just like they're, they're in the, you know, the spaceship's gone up, and he just comes like, hey, can I come in, guys?
0: Yes, and then they ask who he is, because they're reintroducing him to the audience.
1: The main characters don't know who he is, yeah.
0: And then he tells the president to come over here and then she does and then the new plot happens Mm. he was on the opposite end where instead of a character being in it like they shouldn't be in it or so they should reduce his character he should have been way more present no offense to jonah hill i didn't like jonah hill in this movie i thought he was terrible and i would have much preferred him not to even exist and for the bash character to kind of fill that void of this other person in the room with their own agendas who don't like our main characters because he's a rival scientist so and a businessman he didn't like that uh but also i thought the performance from mark rylance as bash was i uh, he's an oscar winning actor (laughs) And recently we guested on a podcast with our friends Chats a Television podcast where I talked about the beloved actor Alan Tudyk and I said, if I didn't know for a fact he had a career in comedy after watching the show we were talking about, I said, if I didn't know that beforehand, I wouldn't be able to tell you this guy's ever been in a comedy before. No offense to Mark Rylance. If I didn't know for a fact like he's a prestigious actor with decades long career, I wouldn't be able to tell that this guy's a good actor at all. I thought he was awful, awful, awful. (laughs) Yet I needed his character to be here.
1: Because he was such a bizarre character that you almost kind of wanted to see more of him.
0: Yeah, I wanted to get a gay, but he didn't feel real to what he was emulating. Mm. He doesn't feel like Elon Musk, and he doesn't feel like Steve
1: Jobs. Who is he supposed to be? It's a good question. It feels like whatever the answer is, it's meant to be done through a lens of like, duh, I'm this guy kind of thing.
0: Because the rest of them, I could figure out who their stand-ins are or the type of person they are. Like, Meryl Streep is the president. You could say that she's a mixture of Trump and Hillary. But in general, removing it from real world people, I understand the type she is. Yeah. I don't know who Pash is. Is he, he, uh... (laughs)
1: Is he Howard Hughes? It feels like he's just meant to be this uh, amalgamation of the big CEOs who try to appear to be in touch or, or have innovated and are seen as being in touch by certain audiences.
0: And the last person that I'll complain about that should have been in the movie more is his wife, is Leo's wife, Mm. Melanie Linsky, who... You know Bartek as-
1: Now that you've said her name, I know who she is. The mother (laughs)
0: from the television series Drive. Drive, And she plays the exact same character, (laughs) homely woman who's stressed (laughs) out. She has a type and she fucking plays
1: it. It's not until this moment where I'm like, oh, wait, I know who that is. And she looks the exact same. Yes. But- For others, it rose from uh, Two and a Half minutes. Where she's the opposite, where she's a crazy, (laughs) sexy stalker
0: lady. But- I wanted her, I needed her to be in the movie more because they try to play her up as the dramatic side of the story, but she's in the movie so little that when they did that, it fell on deaf ears from me. When she's throwing the pills and doing all of that, I'm appreciating the performance. Again, in isolation that worked but for the rest of the context of the movie it was very disingenuous to me he,
1: Leonardo DiCaprio's cheating in this film was presented very matter-of-factly like in most stories you would get you know the the temptation half of it you know speaking of Tyler Perry um the temptation side of like oh should I be doing this should I not be doing it but no when he was with the the TV show lady he was just all in there. There was no, you know, like should I be doing this? Which I, I guess that was meant to be commenting about his downfall through mm. rising up. But
0: he did struggle. There was many, there was many shots on Leo's twitching face, uh, where he was contemplating if he was doing the right thing or not. It's the was one of the times where they relied on the actor to carry stuff f- instead of dialogue. <laughs> But one other character I am mystified, and I don't even know if the film wants them to be here or not, which is – we have three main characters, by the way. I think I know
1: exactly where you're going with this. Go, go on, please, please. So, I, I forget the character's name and also the actor's name, but the the, the, the black guy, the Ogle, Doctor – Oglethorpe. Yeah, Oglethorpe. I, I liked him. Me too. I liked him a lot, but yeah, they were just stretches where it's like, okay, it's just these two now. Okay, now he's with them. Okay, now he's not.
0: He, they, they didn't even remember that he started out talking to them on the phone about how he had to deal with his family and that he had a family and he had kids. Because at the end of the movie he's with these people like they're the only people he has.
1: There was something like that? He was like, hey,
0: why are you calling me about this? Like, don't you know I have my daughters or my whatever? He said something about like family. I can't remember Mm. the line, but it made him feel kind of the more, you know, kind of down to earth, homely, you know, because he's presented job-wise as seeming very high echelon, but with Mm. that, it made him seem very, and also even if they didn't, eyes of you assume he should have a family that he cares about
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah the, he, he's introduced as like oh when they discover that have we even said the plot of the film uh, um, a comet.
0: I said that a comet's yeah. coming to Earth and uh, everyone's ignoring
1: yeah, it that's right a giant comet that is going to make the earth extinct is coming to Earth and everyone's ignoring it uh, as soon as they find out about the threat they're the, he's the first person that they contact and he takes it seriously he organizes everything and throughout the film he's very consistent in what I was saying before about like it would be good if our main characters are always grounded in some level of seriousness. He has a couple of moments where he slips out and, you know, like talks about like, oh, that couple that just broke up, really nice kids or something like mm-hmm. that. But otherwise he is always, you know, straight manning the situation of like, this is ridiculous. We are doing everything properly. They are not taking this seriously. We have to do this, this, and this. And it was great. And... He was so- a great character. Some, fil- some films, sorry, some scenes, it's just like, oh, he's not in them.
0: Why did he never go on the news with them? There was one section where he was on like the Alex Jonesy Fox News show that was hosted by uh, Michael Chiklis, the thing himself from Fantastic Four, and the guy from The Shield, of course. But I was mystified. They had this one joke, and this, I don't know is this an improv joke, but when the cops arrest him mm. and he specifically oh, makes yeah. it about race. And I was expecting I just have more, pigmentation more than you. commentary to be made about that because this film brushes up against some of those commentaries of the conspiracy theorists, the deniers, the bigots, like these people who get something out of yeah, misinformation and being contrarian. And uh, I think it's not unfair to say that in this world presented that one of the the leading voices of this apocalypse coming towards us is a black man, you could... You should probably have a something relating to how people would probably disregard it because of racism. They do that for sexism when it comes to Jennifer Lawrence's character. Many people yeah. just shrug it off as she's a crazy lady. And people shrug off Leonardo DiCaprio because he's handsome and sexy. And yet his character, they have that one moment where he talks about race and I was expecting that to be something throughout it a little bit more, but then it wasn't. And then the movie, it it, it really came across like the movie didn't want him to be there, but why did they have him? Uh, well, From efficiency of- standard, why is he here? Why isn't it just Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio go to meet the president with... The lady who's the head of NASA, because she gets fired later. She's like oh, she yeah, has a little storyline. Yeah. she could serve the same function that that she did, but she could just be in that room. Like I, I, I liked his character, but at the end of the movie, I really didn't understand why they bothered.
1: The FBI like arresting scenes. They they were they were interesting in a weird way. Where the first time it happened was when Jennifer Lawrence was like running, and I. I thought like, oh, this is like a prank to like, you know, get it to freak out and stuff. But then it was played straight, and I'm like, oh, okay. And then you get the reveal later. Well, one on. One of
0: them was a blind man, and she did call them out <laughs> for doing that. Yeah.
1: Um, and then you get a reveal later on where Jonah Hill's like, oh yeah, I made them do the bag over the head thing. So that I, I think the film's trying to go for a thing where it's like, oh, the every, all the FBI arrest scenes are just like pranks by Jonah Hill. So they shouldn't well, be taken seriously. He did
0: that specifically to her because he doesn't like her. And then later on he does it to Leo because he doesn't like Leo now. He does he does he even says, the CIA do the bag over the head all the time, but the FBI, they don't. I asked them specifically because I hate you. And she just gives this whole diatribe about, yeah, I had a feeling. Yeah. It's like you should have trusted that feeling. But that's
1: what I mean. Like yeah. him do him saying that line kind of makes the FBI arresting scenes throughout the film just like, oh, it's it's him. Causing a hijinks.
0: Now we're ragging on the film a bit. I want to go to some of the positives. Mm-hmm. I really do think, inside of the messiness of this movie, I don't think this is a perfect movie. I think it's a messy movie, but it captures the hysteria, like the the hysterics that we go through, and the the sense of impending dread, and when you are confronted with something that feels inevitable or is inevitable you have an existential crisis about it. And I thought they did that really well. There were many characters, not just our three characters, but there were even the ones who wanted to be content as cartoons, starting to crack under the realisation that what's really going on. I really thought the the film captured that marvellously. And I was emotionally compelled at times. There were moments of genuine brilliance where the comedy and the drama paired together when leonardo dicaprio got out of his car and was looking up at the comet i was expecting with this type of movie to for that to be undercut by some dickhead joke gag where somebody says, hey, get out of the way, you fuck, or, like, we cut away, or somebody hits him with his car or like, just brushes
1: past him and makes him, like, fumble.
0: I was expecting it to be undercut with something stupid. But there were actually plenty of moments like that where I have been trained to expect it to just end on a dumb gag Mm. or to sputter out. But they would linger on things in a way that I want more movies like this to do so. Ariana Grande, we haven't even talked about her. she is the pop singer. Her character was a surprise like that as well. I was expecting her to stay as this dumb, bimbo, silly character. And yes, she does. But when we actually get to that song she wrote, it's a, it's a genuinely compelling piece of work. Some of the lyrics are funny, but it's not one of those, we've written the dumb pop star for our comedy movie and she has a very on-the-nose dumb pop song. She was actually a fairly good character for the minimal amount she was here. I was actually found, found like things like that i was I was surprised that they didn't take the dumber option out mm. of. Now, there was plenty of dumber options, but in the movie that they do that with, but there was also just a massive amount where, oh no, they actually stuck with it. They stayed true.
1: I agree with the stuff about Ariana Grande definitely. Now we can't ignore the fact that the song was padding out the film a little bit too much. Oh, okay. I, I felt like they showed way too much of it. It's like I'm watching a concert here. The film's already really long. See,
0: <laughs> I I understand. But, the, the, film song, is but too... the song itself
1: is really good.
0: That see, for me, the song was when I actually felt the emotions of
1: mm. what was going on. Well, I, I guess yeah, and I agree with what you were saying before about like when the characters in the film who. Are taking it seriously? Are being shown taking it seriously? Like all the don't look uppers, that definitely caught. Uh, you know the the whole real life thing we were happening at the time of like the people that were taking COVID seriously versus mm-hmm. the people who uh, were fa- falling for a politi- political agenda or anything like that. Um, like we had all those montages of the people online. You know, we have all the like Twitter videos and the tweets themselves. Uh, just being frustrated and bluntly saying like just just look up, it's right there. Versus all the people who were like you know politicizing it, f- following different agendas. We even had like that one news show where hmm. uh, where it was like all well, the comets named after you. What do you think about that? Yeah. It's like well, what do you mean? Answer the question. What question? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that was the the chickler show. That was a good yeah, section. Yeah. I liked him. I wish he was in the movie more. There was a part of me that kind of wondered. Why wasn't that the main news show we saw?
1: Yeah, I, I guess in terms of when they're doing montage, like really short scenes, I guess you could buy into The Ridiculous mm. a bit more versus like full scenes with the president and things like that. The uh, performances
0: overall, I think, are committed. I may not like some of these performances. I may not enjoy some of those characters, but I thought they were all committed to this project, yeah, I didn't feel like anyone was phoning it in. I didn't feel like anyone was just leaning on what they do and just riding off of that. I I thought Jonah Hill was bad in this. This is one of the few times where I've actually felt that sensation of why people don't like his comedic persona. But I, he was committed to this project. I, I didn't feel like he was phoning it in or mm. he was just farting his way through it. Was I disappointed? That he was not paired up with Leo throughout the whole movie because him and Leo were so great in Wolf of Wall Street. Of course, I was. Of course, I was devastated by that. But he was. He was. Com- did you stay to the end of the credits? Yes. That was. I. I found that good. I was like, okay, we did something with his character. But I thought they were all really dedicated performances. I just think the film and the script did not help these actors at points. Oh, with him,
1: it's definitely the script, yeah.
0: Meryl Streep, I, I don't know what her direction was. I don't know what she was, like, I, I at points I understood what she was supposed to be, but then we spend so much time away from her, and then we cut back, and now she's like a different degree of insanity from where we saw her last, and... I can see an argument being made for why that adds up, but I don't know. I just didn't really vibe with me all of the time, but I thought Leo was fantastic in this. When he broke down on the news, when he had his we're all going to fucking die scene, mm. I was I was riveted. I, I, I was sitting there going, thank you, Leo. You're finally bringing the goods I like from you, which is angry Leo, which is my favorite Leo.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's he was really good in the film.
0: Uh, Who was your favourite performer? Was it Leo, or was there anyone else that uh, jumped out at you?
1: Probably Leo, yeah. Any other? Weird as it is to say, like, oh, Leonardo DiCaprio's my favourite. Oh, what a (laughs) shock! What a shock. Um, Yeah, Leo, Dr. Oglethorpe, they were really good. Um, Those are the main two. I didn't hate our big techie bash guy as much as you did, but mostly because he was so weird that mm. I kind of wanted more of him. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um. But yeah, the all, all the criticisms of him still stand. Yeah, with Meryl Streep, it, it, and I think her scene where she was talking to our main characters for the first time really kind of highlighted what film I was in for. And it, it almost kind of reminds me of some things I was saying on that Chats podcast that we were doing. It was like, her motivations and her purpose in the scene was so one track that I, you know, maybe was not predicting her dialogue ahead of time, but I was predicting the sort of effect that all her dialogue was. Like, okay, what is the most uh, effective means of undermining what's being told to me uh, mm-hmm. that I can do right now? It's like, oh, okay, I don't understand that. Can you explain it a bit more? It's like, oh, okay, I'll try to brush it off. Okay, try to do this, try to do that. And I don't think there was any point in that first scene where, like, she was giving them an inch, which not that she was meant to, mm. but the fact that I was seeing the script. That's the thing we bring That's up a it. lot. I was seeing the script or the purpose behind this character. Uh, it was too blunt.
0: And since this movie's already very long- that just adds to your endurance as a viewer with the length where you know, okay, this is how the scene's going to play out. Because they they build up to it very, very, very much so with them waiting and the general waiting with them and then charging them for free snacks, and then they have to go to their hotel rooms and they're phoning their loved ones, and then they come back the next day, and Jonah Hill's doing this, and you have a lot of preamble to a scene that you know already and so now you have to watch that scene play out for five minutes and five minutes is a long time yeah in it felt film. like five minutes <laughs> and you said something there that i find so intriguing though which is How come this can work in other things? So another piece of media that we both enjoy very much, I keep bringing this back to satirical war films for some reason, but it just comes, or war stories, uh, Black Season 4.
1: Yeah, I was thinking that. Every
0: scene with General Melchard, you oh, you know what's going to happen before they walk in that door. When our characters say, I have a brilliant plan and it'll do this and let's go take it up with General Melchard. You know, as a viewer, how it's going to play out. But I think the difference inherently is every moment of that is genuinely gut bustingly hilarious. While, again, personal taste here, but. It wasn't funny to me, so I'm just watching this scene play out dryly, and mm. it's dry and rough, and takes time. Is that something that factors in for you at all?
1: I think that was how it was for me here. Like I even said earlier that after this scene, you know, we had the line about the media training, and I thought like, oh, this is where we're kind of beginning here. Like this is where, like, the comedy is going to come in.
0: And then the joke is that Jennifer Lawrence needs the media training. That was the... Yeah,
1: there are a couple of references to media training. Throughout. I wish we saw it. I wish we saw yeah. it. Speaking of payoffs, we we said that we were going to talk about Tyler Perry.
0: Tyler Perry is great in this film. I actually thought he was better than Kate Blanchett.
1: Yeah, you know what? What was I talking about before? You said, like, oh, were there any other performances you really liked? He was actually on point with his purpose.
0: I I knew <laughs> what he was. Kate Blanchett... I don't know, I, I, I've I watched, I know of these shows, I've watched some of these, she didn't feel like any of those ones to me, maybe someone can point out, no, she's like this specific news anchor, but... Uh.
1: Tyler Perry felt a lot like that, the, the Onion, uh, mm. Today Now, I think it was called, like the ones that yeah. interviewed the little kid that wrote... Fast and Furious. Yeah,
0: he also reminds me of, like, Steve Harvey a bit as mm. well as that general persona of, like, I'm keeping things light and goofy, even if there's something serious.
1: Yeah, the way her. the way he tried to make small talk out of little things like that really reminded me of the, the Onion guy a lot. He
0: has a charismatic screen presence. Everything I've seen Tyler Perry in, even if it's bad, I, I can't look you in the eye and say, Oh, I didn't enjoy seeing him. <laughs> I've never hated Tyler Perry and things. I've hated Tyler Perry products... But I enjoy him very much. Well, we've got to
1: do some Medea films on the
0: podcast. We've got to do some I like his erotic thrillers more, but I understand. Well, again, have,
1: have we seen him in anything he's made personally? Is the no, theme. I we, don't
0: think he's appeared in anything he's made that we've watched.
1: Yeah, that's, why, that's what I mean. I think Gone Girl and this are now the only things I really know him for in terms of acting. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I know of like Medea and all that, oh, but I yes. haven't seen Medea.
0: So, Tyler Perry, for those who are not in the know, is uh, a very prolific figure in the entertainment industry. He's carved out an empire for himself. Mm -hmm. He is a writer, director, actor, producer, everything. He does it all. And he makes uh, comedies and dramas for a very specific set of audiences, they often originate as stage plays, and then they're made into movies. Religious elements are often in them, or elements of community and family and culture.
1: Yes. See our episode on Temptations: Confessions of a Marriage Counselor.
0: And he's looked down upon very often. He makes lowbrow comedies. He makes lowbrow things. He's he's a cheap filmmaker. He's the Roger Corman in a lot of ways. But he 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 is important in the industry even if you don't like him and what is so dumbfounding about Tyler Perry is he has this persona of of Medea and so many others where it's like loud over the top
1: characters be- before i really like looked into him myself the only thing i knew about him was basically jokes that were made in pop culture about like the audience that he appeals to so, like on South Park uh, the joke is like oh he he makes jokes that all black people find really funny it's like there's the character tolkien black in the show <laughs> who's generally one of the more straight played characters like every time tyler Perry appears on screen he just starts laughing like <laughs> it's like yes that kind of thing and i remember uh back when i was a Watching a lot of those midnight screenings on Cinema Snob, uh, they would often bring up like, oh yeah, those films are not made for us, that kind of thing.
0: Which isn't true, by the way. There's many, many people that Tyler Perry's films do appeal to, but yes, they're they're primarily for uh, African-American audiences, Yeah, but there's a lot of white people who love the Tyler Perry movies, (laughs) Um, but Tyler Perry as a person... Has a very interesting relationship when it comes to his abilities as an actor. So yeah, you've he told me this looks down story. on himself as an actor. He is very much a man of pragmatism. I will direct it because I know what I need and I, I it's cheaper. I will write it. Sure, I'll act in it because I I'll be the guy. He he'll he'll, he'll do it like Dan Aykroyd in Nothing But Trouble. Yeah, I'll wear, wear the makeup and do this. And so when he's cast in projects outside of that. He has an anxiety about it because he's in his viewpoint. He's not like a, a, a dramatic actor or a real, a quote unquote, real actor. So he was in Gone Girl, yeah, and he's fan oh my he's probably the best performance in the movie to me
1: he's amazing
0: though. him and Rosamund Pike are like vying for best performance
1: in that movie great, so great lawyer, great lawyer performance yeah
0: he's like their PR guy and their, yeah he's a, he's a great piece of shit but in that like he's so good but he was tricked into that movie David Fincher <laughs> tricked him into being this movie in it because Tyler Perry wouldn't have done it Tyler Perry then when he found out it was David Fincher and who he was and everything he really freaked out about it he tried to back out but too late you're in it now and he's great and this is another example where he's here in this movie and he's being comedic here like he was comedic in gone girl but he also had to be serious uh here's being purely comedic but I, I thought he his talents as a as a as somebody who's been in this industry really were showing off because he's had to, to perform comedy for his entire career and You pick up things along the way. This isn't just... Yes, his comfort zone is to wear a dress and do the shrill voice or whatever. But, you know, he's been a comedic entertainer for decades now. So when somebody else brings him in and utilizes him and molds him into what they need to be... It, it was mar, um, truly marvellous. I I I enjoyed his final scene as well with Kate Blanchett at the bar, and he just comments like, "Should we fuck? I don't know." Like he's so noncommittal I'd about drink. it. drink. All right, sure. <laughs> really great. So happy to have seen him, and I wish there was more abstract choices in casts like that, where you look at it and go, "Oh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Tyler Perry in the same scene." Who would have guessed? Like that's the type no, that, of thing. That,
1: that you mention it, yeah. That's
0: the type of thing I wish there was a little bit more of. Of those type of casting choices. He should have
1: had a, an affair with Tyler Perry. Oh, could you imagine? <laughs> now,
0: is there anything else you want to discuss with "Don't Look Up"?
1: Um, I remember you, you, you were talking about how your copy when you were watching had some sound issues.
0: The audio mixing uh, of this was really all over the place. The music was so loud at certain points where I was having to wrestle the remote to hear the dialogue whilst also deafening myself. And yes, I had subtitles on, but I also like to hear what I'm watching. And I found like the editing was really all over the place. The audio mixing was a mess, but this is a strange one for, for a film of this budget, of this caliber, of this talent. And tell me if you notice this, but uh, who, who was doing the camera work here? Because they were wrestling with the focus was... throughout the entire movie. Literally, the opening shot of Jennifer Lawrence was, was like six seconds of them struggling to get her in focus. And I was thinking, oh, this is a deliberate choice. Okay, it's deliberate. But then there were so many other moments where it's like, oh, that's not deliberate. What, what's happening oh, the,
1: the Oh, you know, I was about to say that I didn't notice any focus things, but there was something. Mm-hmm. There was some shot where it was like, they a character was like on the right side of the frame, but something was also happening on the left. And it was like, they yeah. were both out of focus. Character on the right would be in focus for like one second, go out of focus so that it focuses on yeah. the thing on the left. It just didn't work. I remember that was jarring. Um, In terms of camera work, I, actually, the l- last scene, a lot of moments in the, like, family dinner at the end, mm. there was some really weird stuff happening there. Like, when the characters- Choices were made. Yeah. Even before the dinner, when they were walking into the house, there was this really bizarre cut that I actually had to rewind the film. Like, did I- what, what, what was I looking at there? Where it was- it was, like- Two seconds after t- Timothy Chalamet told told them his gamer tag, yes, like he told them the gamer tag, he was taking a step to walk in, then it cut to like one or two seconds later
0: yes i saw that it
1: was like he teleported like like a meter ahead and it was like what is going on there was there a mistake that they had to cut out and they couldn't cut to something else
0: but then as the dinner went on there was also scenes where it's like cut to a person now they're just a still like they're just still they're not moving there were points where where the the film
1: like froze and and again what you were saying before like oh is this intentional like I was getting a vibe of like oh when the earth was rattling because the mm. meteor had struck I was like oh is this simulating like technology failing but yeah. no it kept happening and when I was looking up I was looking I was telling you before I watched uh, your movie sucks talking about the film he pointed out A moment of that happening, like, before the meteor even struck. And it's like, no, there was clearly something fucked up going
0: on. There was a sequence, too, where Leonardo DiCaprio was yelling or running or fighting or whatever. And it was, like, a normal scene. And then, like, for half a second, it was a still image. And then it did it again. And it did it again. Like, just intermittently, it was still images and it was shot on like a camera not like a like a digital camera like a photo camera because that is a different resolution different thing yeah and it was just what was that choice there were so many choices made when it came to the production and direction editing all of that where I don't think they aided the film at all and subtracted from it. And these are things that don't even enter the realm of conversation that the many people have a discourse about this, which is, is this film intelligent? That's often what the argument boils down to. You know what I'm going to say? I think it's more intelligent than it is dumb. I think it's using stupidity to help aid its intelligence. But as a film that I'm watching and listening to, I think someone else should have constructed this a better a different editor, a different director. Someone needed to step in and say, "Okay, why are we doing that?"
1: It's well-meaning and I agree with a lot of what it's saying, but you know, the way that it's being presented is what, you know, we're taking issue with.
0: There were some subtle gags that I enjoyed such as the algorithm that could deter- determine your death. And how it wasn't even correct all of the time. It said Leonardo DiCaprio would die alone. And was that a threat or was that real? But in the end he didn't die alone. He was surrounded by all of his friends and family. And but then the president died the way it said, where she would get killed by some random thing. And they're like, what is that? It's like we don't know yet. And then at the end, mm-hmm. the the remaining humans fly off to this Planet, and she gets eaten by this alien bird like creature. And then the rich scientist, uh, billionaire guy says, Oh, so that's what that is. Uh, another gag that I liked in that was a majority of the people that survived were all elderly. Like a majority of them were elderly people, mm. and I just looked at that and said,
1: "How are they going to sustain life? <laughs> All these naked elderly people."
0: Yeah, a lot of them were naked, naked elderly people. I had a good chuckle—not a out loud chuckle, but internally—I was like, "Okay, that's that's good. That's we, like," we, and they're not pointing that out; they're just letting that be.
1: We could have had a naked Jonah Hill, but they forgot about him.
0: They forgot about Jonah Hill. Um, was there a thing that made you laugh in this?
1: Um, not that it made me laugh, but I could see in another movie, like really enjoying this, there was a running gag about you brought up the, like the general making them pay for snacks and it is such a bizarre thing, but I don't know. I feel like the film should have, if done differently, I think it would have been much funnier. Oh yeah,
0: I can I can see that
1: complaint. Yeah, Cuz yeah, there's a whole thing earlier on when they're waiting in the White House and they've got this general who like because he's on their side, he's really going to help them. He brings them a bunch of snacks like, "Oh, they're charging an arm and a leg for this. Can you all give me like $10 for yours?" And then they find out like oh, those just free in the fridge and it is this really bizarre thing
0: and oglethorpe didn't ha- like had too much money and couldn't get changed so he just gave him more money
1: yeah and and jennifer lawrence is like obsessed with it throughout the film like in moments where she just has to wait and she's got moments for herself she just like talks about it a little bit and just like is really hung up about it. i feel like you know if i guess maybe it didn't work because i wanted a bit more of a straight manny performance from her
0: yeah I I I, get yeah, what you're saying. I guess that's
1: that's why it didn't quite work for me. But I could definitely it's it's what I said before, there's so much potential here that like if it was done just a little bit differently you'd have something really great.
0: Yes, but this is mm. a film from a different generation. Yeah. And <laughs> that was a good bit too I did. with Ron Perlman's character. <laughs> He's from a different generation. I, I did also
1: like how when they had the you know competing movements of like the don't look up and the and the and the look up, just look up there was like the one guy who was like, oh, my, I'm wearing a badge that's pointing up and down. Yeah, that was so Chris like, Evans. Chris Evans. It's like, I and I feel like, you know, this is a voice that needs to be heard. I'm like, oh, there, there are people like this in the world. That That yep. was actually a really good
0: one. And then he transitioned to his blockbuster, it's just a popcorn movie. <laughs> but that is Don't Look Up. I would love to hear from you, the listening people, what you think about this movie, what we've had to say about it. This is a film that is surprisingly divisive I say that surprisingly because I feel like there's movies that uh, I feel like in my world, there are movies that are more provocative when it comes to this that don't get such a such a reaction like this one did, Uh, but it just doesn't happen. I don't know. It's it's strange to me, but don't look up. Let us know. Do you recommend it, though? Bartek, would you recommend don't look up?
1: Um... I guess yeah taking your words from before I more so recommend it than not.
0: We I I we we live in a world too often demanding a yes or no, a thumbs up thumbs down, a good and bad where movies have to be good for you to recommend them or for you to watch them. Oh, it has to be a perfect movie or a great film for me to check it out Well, some of the films that we've enjoyed and loved our entire lives ones that we've covered on the podcast for say unappreciated masterpieces are often the opposite of that where they're messy and they don't fully work or they're just short of the mark or maybe they are really good for a specific crowd of people but not for everyone and i was really reflecting upon that at the end of don't look up of wow We don't get movies like this all that often where it's good when it's good. It can be even can even be great, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't all come together. It's a bit of a shaggy dog affair. It's a bit rough around the edges, but does that make it a bad movie? Does that make it a great movie? No, not necessarily, but I do recommend it. I, I, I kind of miss movies of this vein where they're trying for something but they they're not always nailing it Mm. too much obsession about if this is a five star or one star type movie at late oh you can't enjoy this unless it's like that and if you enjoy it and I disagree with you you're a freak I just I'm so sick of it and that's been a part of our podcasting journey from the very beginning we've actually had people say like why would I why would you guys talk positively about something like big fat liar or thunder pants it's like because those movies at the base level have entertainment and fun to them they may not be perfect but they have that and i think don't look up does have some entertainment value and i think it does have some fun moments so i do recommend it mm. that's just my big diatribe but i've been thinking about that a lot
1: lately you're so cert- you don't- you're certainly not going to be wanting for things to talk about <laughs>
0: True, and uh, that is what we have to say about Don't Look Up. Bartek, it is your turn now to recommend the movie for the next episode. This is your uh, American pick or your Hollywood pick, is that correct? My
1: American pick, yes.
0: Your American. Every
1: every two recommendation cycles for me, I like to pick something non-American.
0: Your every even or odd-numbered, is it? Which one is it? Uh, My
1: first recommendation was American. The first episode of Pictures Power was American, so my odd-numbered...
0: so you yeah. every odd numbered pick.
1: Yep. Uh so we're on an odd numbered pick for me. So I'm going with an American film and I'm going with one from 1984.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh it is Amadeus. Amadeus. Oh, goody goody. Yeah. One of the interesting facts I have about Amadeus, I'll share it with you right now, is Amadeus's father in that film was played by Roy Dotrice who was in Babylon 5, (laughs) fun fact, (laughs) but he was in Babylon 5 as Mr. Lance, the guy who wanted to sign a non-aggression treaty with the Centauri at the end of Season 2, but that actor, he was in a show called um, Beauty and the Beast with Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman, who was in Don't Look Up, where Mm -hmm. Ron Perlman played the Beast, and he had this mane of hair and like a lion face and roy dotrice was his uh i think he was like a priest in it and they were in a bunch of stuff together throughout their careers so i just wanted to bring that up now since we just had ron perlman here
1: there's just an interesting little connection there but it's just something sure well before we put this in stone i just want to have a quick discussion about it I've heard that this is a film – I've seen the film, but I can't remember which version I've seen. Oh. This is apparently one of those films where, like, the theatrical and the director's cut are, like, competing in which Ooh. one to recommend. Do you know anything about this? No.
0: I've only seen this movie once before when I was in high school and it was a friend's DVD. I didn't yeah, note it was down my, what copy it was or my, what.
1: It was my DVD that I watched it for the first time on, and it's the one that I messaged you about. Like, mm. I could not find it. I looked again last night. I cannot find my DVD copy. I don't know which version <laughs> I saw –
0: Uh, My guess would be theatrical is usually the one that people have seen, but we'll have an investigation and we'll keep you posted. Yeah,
1: I'm leaning, like, director's cut, maybe, because I've Mm -hmm. heard some things about it that sound interesting, but, you know, just for the sake of listening to people that want to watch on... Should we put in the stone, like, director's cut? Sure. Right, we'll do
0: director's cut. This won't be a savagest situation, I guess, where we were like, which one will we do? Oh, we'll watch whichever uh, yeah, one.
1: I, I know it's happened a few times, and I was always blindsided by it, so I wanted to bring this it up This won't now. be a
0: story of Ricky's situation, where we explicitly say we will only watch this version of the movie, the and English then <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> no, I
1: watched it, but I had subtitles, and the subtitles were for the Cantonese. Yes.
0: And then you were asking me mm. questions about things that happened in the subtitles. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about talking
1: about. I didn't watch that. It was a ghost. The subtitle said so. And I was like, what are you talking about? And there's nothing to bring up about the A-team, right?
0: No, the A-team, the P-cut. But that is it. Thank you all so much for listening. Again, let us know your thoughts on this and what we've discussed, as well as your own recommendations for us to cover a film on the podcast. You can hit us up over on our social medias of Facebook and Twitter, and you can email us over at
1: spitandpolishedatgmail.com.
0: Thank you again for tuning in, and oh, thank your friend. I was literally for about to, but I was recommending. Like, don't look up. What? I hope this was a lively enough conversation.
1: How kind of how to pick the film for us? How
0: kind of you now? Now look up,
1: damn it! Just look up. How you really, really need to look up. You know, stop looking into the ground.
0: That's where your grave
1: is. <laughs>